Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. It's so good to see you today. If you look in your sermon outline, you'll see we're continuing this series on encounters the most amazing kind. And we're talking today about how to encounter Jesus in your storm. Have you ever been in a, a like a hurricane? Anybody ever been like a, a tornado, something huge like that? A few of you have. Pretty scary, huh? I did go through one in the Philippines, about a, a level five, and didn't know if a tree was going to fall on us in the night. And you know something about storms? They're, they're really not a place where you expect something good to happen. <laughs> this is true not only in the physical storms, but I think all of us know what it is to go through spiritual storms, emotional storms, financial crises, a, a family crisis, maybe a divorce, a, a, a loss of a job, a, a giant disappointment, as Sue was talking about in your life, where all of a sudden it seems like your, your life is turned upside down. And what I want to share today is during those times, it's naturally to feel like God is withdrawing from us. But we're going to see in a story today that, in fact, he is actually drawing close to us. He is the God of the storm. He is the God who is in the storm. He is the God who is with you and will bring you through. And I want to read this story about a storm in Matthew 14, if you want to look along. But uh, Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had already dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Something interesting about the Sea of Galilee in Israel, even today, you know, at the north part of it, there's what's called Mount Hermon. It's a 9,000-foot-high mountain. South of the Sea of Galilee is what's called the Dead Sea. It's like uh, 1,250 feet below sea level. And what happens is when the hot air from the desert hits the cold air right over that Sea of Galilee, instantly and unexpectedly, huge storms will erupt. What's also interesting is that According to Jewish folklore at that time, a storm on the Sea of Galilee was considered a demonic attack. <laughs> this might help you understand uh, the response to this storm. And in fact, what made it even worse is it happened at three in the morning. I mean, that's a tough time for a storm. So, so let's go on. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Would you read this with me? Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, I don't know what Peter was thinking. Either he was thinking, prove it's you, or he was just getting hyper. Um, but to his surprise, Jesus just says this one word, Come. <laughs> Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. How many know if you, if you get your eyes off Jesus, you're about to sink, right? 
And he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Aren't you glad the Lord didn't say, Peter, be it done to you according to your faith. Bye-bye. No. <laughs> How many know God is merciful? He says, why did you doubt? And he reaches out his hand and catches him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. This is amazing how what they thought was a demonic attack was the place where they would have one of the most amazing experiences with Jesus. And I want to say to you today, some of you who are in a place where you might be tempted to fear the most, God wants to show up the biggest right there. How many know he specializes at finding you at the end of your rope? Man's extremity is God's opportunity. He, he is waiting in the storm. This past week, a few weeks, just our family, my, my aunt passed away, the, my uncle, I've been trying to kind of hold, and just it seemed like everything was going wrong. Family members getting sick. His daughter-in-law's mother, suddenly her sugar dropped to 20. She went into an attack, her heart stopped beating. It was right then that she called my daughter, Anna, her, her daughter, called Anna, my daughter, and Anna just spoke in Jesus' name, and instantly the EMT people said, wait! Her response is back, and within a few hours, she was just fine. But it was right at this dark moment. And it was like, oh, what else could happen? Have you ever been there when it's raining, it's pouring? It's like, come on, something's got to go right. God says, I know it doesn't look like it, but in your storm, God is there. God is there in the moment when you fear the most, when you need him the most. I love this Psalm 18, verses 9 to 11. This verse from uh, David describing God working in storms. He said, he parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. And then look at this. He made darkness his covering, his canopy. God, you're disguised in a storm. Behind the canopy of these dark, rainy clouds, you came. In that dark moment of your life, what you don't see is God is coming. Remember in, in Genesis 1, it says, darkness covered the earth, but the Spirit was hovering over the waters. And he said, let there be light. Now, here's a few thoughts about this story. Number one, they were sent out by Jesus on the boat. They were doing the will of God. They weren't like Jonah running away from God. They were in the will of God. How many know sometimes when you're obeying God, the storms don't decrease, they increase. Sometimes there is actually spiritual warfare. Uh, how, how many know that the, the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous? And, and, it, and, it, and so the reason I'm saying is that some of us, when, when that storm comes, we say, God, you don't care about me. You abandoned me. You're not real. We doubt and yet, God's saying, no, 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 no. Storms happen everywhere. Don't just, just try to determine how I feel about you by what's happening around you. I'm still for you. I'm there. Right in the storm, we often believe the lie, like the Jewish folklore. 
Well, the devil's got me now. When really Jesus is coming to bless you. What's interesting is God uses the storms of life to strengthen our faith. Where it might feel he's forsaking us, he's actually taking us to a better place. How many know that when, when we're in the storm, it's when we find out what we really believe. God is taking our faith from our, from our head to our heart. <laughs> you see, when you first get saved and you, you feel God, you say, oh, I believe because I feel it. I feel goosebumps all over me. And then all of a sudden you go out in traffic, someone cuts you off and you say, God, you forsook me. No, you know, well, what happened to your faith? It was in your emotions, but God wants to take the faith from your emotions and he wants to put it in your will. He wants to give you faith muscles and faith muscles only come when you're tested, when life is hard, when you have to make a tough choice. I'm gonna believe God anyway in spite of what it feels. God often takes these very difficult times and he says, you don't see it now, but you're going to be like Job. Remember Job, man, he went through this trauma, lost his family. And he said, but afterwards, I mean, he had it bad. His wife wasn't much help. She said, curse God and die. Thank you very much for that encouragement. Everything, was, and yet he said, I am going, even if God slays me, I'm going to trust him. And guess what? When he comes out of that, he says, Lord, before I had heard of you, but now I can see you. I really know you now. How many know God? You know God the deepest when you trust God through the hardest things in your life. One of the things I believe God wants to build in us is what I call, uh, nevertheless, I will trust faith. This famous verse, Psalms uh, 23.4 even though I walk through the dark, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Don't you like that? It's the even though I will kind of faith. Even though I will. See, I have found out there's two kinds of Christians. There's Christians whose faith deflates when trouble comes, and there's Christians whose faith inflates when troubles come. Two Christians at church, they, they seem the same. They seem to love the Lord. And then one just crashes because when trouble came, they deflated. But there's these other kind of Christians that when trouble comes, they're like uh, Daniel in the lion's den or the three Hebrew children. Even though Nebuchadnezzar, you throw me in a furnace, I will not bow. These kind of Christians, they are the ones that change the world. Look at this verse in Habakkuk 3.17. I, I always like to declare this verse. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though it's so windy I don't want to go to church in the morning, and my arthritis, oh, that's the Dale Walker translation, sorry. Uh, and the fields produce no food, and I can't afford gas anymore. And, and though my kids are going crazy, and my boss is a jerk. And though there's no sheep, oh, let's get to it. Everybody with me. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will be joyful in God my Savior. Can we go to that next verse? Um, he goes on to say, and God will make my feet like hind's feet. 
God is going to make me a mountain scaler of faith. I'm not going to get to the mountain and say, I'm sorry, I'm too tired. I'm going to go right to the top because I have a faith that inflates, that rises to that challenging situation in life. It is often our faith in the midst of storms that God uses to bring greatest glory and his greatest witness to the world around us. You know what I have found? God uses and shows people he's real through our faith. You know, how does the world get convinced that God is real? It's not by our Christianese. Hallelujah, hallelujah. No, they're watching us, right? Have you noticed if you're a Christian at work, they're watching you? When a rude customer comes in, they're going to say, I got to see what this Christian does now, you know. Or when the boss is a jerk, whoa, let me watch my Christian friend now. And when you should be depressed and yet you have faith, they go, wow, that's pretty impressive. When you should be offended and you're, you're forgiving, they say, my goodness, maybe, maybe there's more to this Jesus stuff uh, than I thought. It is when we are knocked down that God has got a chance to show the world that he's a God who gives us a faith that is stronger than circumstances and that can get people through the very hardest things in their life. I've been very blessed reading a book by Jim and Catherine Wolf. I think I have their picture, but they wrote a book called Suffering Stronger, and Catherine she was a model in Hollywood, and he was a lawyer. They were like at the top of the world, 26 years old. And one night, she has this devastating stroke, almost dies, left totally paralyzed. And for the last 12 years, been in a wheelchair. And yet her story is so incredible. She said, you know, the enemy came to bring this to define me as a person who's disabled. But she said, I found that God can redefine your story, that his strength can actually be with you in the worst suffering you ever feel or felt. They decided, God, we're gonna trust you through this. What's happened is amazing. The Spirit of God came on her. She is the most positive person. They started this ministry called Hope Heals. They have these incredible retreats for people with disabilities. She's an advocate for people in Worcester. She said, I love what she says. She says, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, a wheel, I'm not wheelchair bound. I'm wheelchair free. I am a person whose the grace of God lives in me. And even though my face can't move, my heart smiles and I can tell the world how good my God is. And God has used her in incredible ways. Thousands of people. Can I tell you, when people see that, they say, that's real. That's real. That's not just a bunch of religious talk. That's the real thing. I'm telling you, God can come to you. I wish I could tell you that God was going to deliver you from all your troubles, that whatever you've been through. But can I tell you, on this side of heaven, some things aren't going to get fixed. I'm sorry, but I love you, but you've got to know things aren't going to all work out in this life for you. Jesus promised us this. He said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. There's going to be things that don't turn out, marriages that didn't work, and, and bodies that didn't get healed. But he says, I, I want you to know 
Yes, in this world you shall have children, but in me you can have incredible peace, for I have overcome the world. I'm going to give you something so powerful to take you through the valley. I know we'd all like to say, though he lead me around the valley of the shadow of death, but it doesn't say that though he lead me through, I do not fear evil, for you are with me. You are my strength. You are, you've got that staff. You're going to take care of the wolf for me. You're going to guide me through this. I'm going to still have your presence. My cup's going to overflow. You're going to set a table before me in the presence of the enemy. I've always loved that verse. God sets a table in the presence of your enemies. I said, Lord, why in the presence of my enemies? I'd like you just to get the red enemies out of here. I don't like wolves prowling around while I eat my dinner. He says, it won't matter because your eyes will be looking at my eyes. You will be so in love with me. You won't care what the, what the wolves are doing because I'm with you. I'm with you in the middle of your storm. Each time we overcome a storm, we know God deeper. We know God better. You, you get a new story. You get a new faith. And so I want to share with you three ways to encounter Jesus in the middle of your storm that we see in this story. Number one, if you want to encounter Jesus in a storm, you, you, you need to let God help you change your perspective. In the, in the middle of this, Jesus comes to them, but the first thing he has to do is to get their focus off the storm and onto him. You see, in a storm, you can either have the storm between you and God, or you can let God be between you and the storm. You can either have a focus on how big your storm is or how big your God is. And that's going to change everything. If, if you can get your eyes on Jesus, you can walk on the water. But if your eyes are on the waves, you're going under. The enemy is constantly trying to get our focus on the circumstance. Why? Because... The circumstances and feelings are going to tell you one thing different than what God's telling you. You've heard me say this before, what fear is. Fear, F-E-A-R, is false evidence appearing real. Fear is, is, is when you're in a situation, it's listening to the wrong voice. How many know when you're in the storm, the enemy's telling you that's a ghost, a demon coming to kill you. But God is saying that's your Savior coming to free you. When, when you're in a dark situation, you'll hear the voices of things that are saying, you're, God could never love you. You're, you've trashed your life. He's through with you. You'll hear voices that tell you, you might as well quit. You might as well give up on this marriage. There's no hope for this. You'll, you'll hear things saying, you ruined your kid's life. I, I remember hearing that one. <laughs> you're, you're a sorry dad. You know? and, and that, that was a false voice. Because how many know God's even bigger than my weaknesses as a dad? It, it all depends on what you're hearing and what you choose to listen to and what you choose to see in the storm. I put here the first and most important question in any storm is not what will I do? But what will I believe? Your beliefs will determine whether you rise or fall. It is choosing to change the way you look. I love to tell the little story of, of the boy looking over the fence at the bully with his telescope, and he's looking through this telescope, but he's looking through it backwards. And his mom comes out and says, Billy, that's funny. You're looking at, 
across the wall, but you're looking out of the wrong end of the telescope. And he says, but mom, my bully looks a lot smaller from this end, you know? You know, when, when, when God is in the focus of your focus of your perspective, the enemy you can see is defeatable. The mountain is scalable. The setback is easy to overcome. But if your attention is wrong, everything will be wrong in that situation. Dutch Sheets says, faith isn't denying the reality of your circumstances. It is denying those circumstances the right to be in control of your life. It, it is refusing. Some of you, a few weeks ago, when, when our sister Nancy, and you all know Nancy, and she had to go through chemo, and when she got up here, I said, I have never seen anyone who more stood up and said, you know, I'm, I'm going through the storm. I'm in the storm, but the storm isn't in me. I'm going to stay in faith. I'm going to go through this. We're coming out the other side. And you could almost feel God standing to applause because she saw. She didn't see cancer. She saw the God who's bigger than cancer and believed that God would deliver her. God is constantly trying to get our attention in the storm. Please, if you'll just stop long enough to see me in this moment, I love what one author, Henry Blackaby, says, you never know the truth until you've heard Jesus tell you the truth. I don't, I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care. There are the facts, but then there is the end of the story, and only God knows the end of the story. Those facts may say one thing, but God has more facts, maybe, that he hasn't revealed yet, and when he reveals those facts, they're going to change the other facts. God wants to speak to you in your storm. But if your eyes aren't on him, you'll only hear the waves. You won't hear the Lord. I like the phrase, you know, in sports, when you're playing in the NFL, have you ever noticed that sometimes there's a questionable call a referee makes? They'll throw the flag. Oh, he was out of bounds. Or, or you know, he was holding or something like that. And the opposite coach will, will sometimes protest. and He'll say, could we send that up to the booth for further review? And, and so then they'll take it off. You'll go to the commercial. And, and they'll look at the tape from the, the, the sky room, you know. And have you noticed, sometimes they'll reverse the call on the field. Sometimes when you look at something happening in life, before you just say, yes, it is true, it's over, I'm through, maybe you need to send that up to heaven for further review. Maybe on earth it says you're defeated and you're going bankrupt, but after further review, God is going to say, I am your provider, and I will make a way through this terrible mess you're in. Maybe instead of just believing the circumstance, you better go to a higher authority about your situation because he might be about to reverse the call on the field. But if your eyes aren't on him, you'll never know that it's going to happen to you. I love the story of Elijah and Gehazi. Gehazi is the servant of Elijah. One day he gets up in the morning and notices that the Syrian army is completely surrounded, Elijah and him, they're here to kill him. And he's sitting there, he's, he's afraid, and the, the Hebrew word means he's freaked out. But anyhow, he's just freaking out. Elijah, the Syrian army. And all Elijah does, he kind of lays back down. He says, God, please open his eyes. And all of a sudden, for every soldier coming to get him, there's 10 angels behind that soldier. 
And remember that famous verse, they that be with us are more than be with them. How, how many like that song? Even though it looks, we may be surrounded, but you're surrounding those who surround us. How many know the Lord surrounds the enemy when the enemy tries to surround us? Hallelujah. And he's a bigger surrounder than the enemy surrounder. So God is for us. But if you don't see it, you just live in fear. You just leave it, live in hopelessness. He wants to open our eyes. I like to say it. Victory isn't figuring out how you're going to solve your problem, but it's settling in your heart who is in charge of your problem. It's not the how, it's the who that makes all the difference. So I, I had this little illustration. I don't know if it makes sense, but it's the best I could come up with. Suppose I was challenged to go play someone at the gym in a two-on-two -two, uh, basketball game. I know that's saying, Pastor, you got a lot of faith. And I go down there, and there's these two college guys, and they want to take me on in a, in a game. And, and if I look at that and I say, how am I going to beat these guys in this basketball game? I would have to think long and hard. But then all of a sudden, if I asked another question, who's on my side? And I look up and LeBron James walks in. Guess what? It doesn't matter how, because I got the who. And the who with me is greater than is with them, right? When you know who is for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. When you know that you're partnering with Almighty God, there is a courage that you have. There is a faith that you have to face any storm. In Isaiah 40, and I'd love for you to read this sometime. Isaiah is trying to figure out, how am I going to help Israel? The situation is so dire. They're turned from God. What am I going to do? And he's asking God all these questions. And God doesn't answer Isaiah well, here's a five-point strategy. And I just was reading and I was thinking, God, America's a mess. How on earth are you going to say? I can't figure it out. And God doesn't try to give them a formula. You know what he does? He tells them five things. He says, number one, Isaiah, I hold the oceans in my hand. Oh, number two, the nations of the earth, they're like a drop in the bucket. Number three, you see those mountains over there? They're like a grain of sand to me. Oh, you, you see those stars? I, I know them all by name. You see the universe, trillion, trillion, trillion. He says, I, I, I span the whole universe with the palm of my hand. He, he says, here's what you need to know, Isaiah. Your young men may grow faint. Your enemies, they're going to grow tired. The world's going to come and go. But those who wait on the Lord, those who partner with the Lord, they're going to find the strength because I'm going to be with them in the middle of this. And they're going to overcome. Greater is he that's with you, friends. Greater is he that is in you, friends, than he that is in the world. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Will you take that stand in your heart? Will you let God shift your perspective today? It'll make such a difference. I love what he says. Take courage, it is I. The text kind of refers to the idea of the Moses comment, you know, when God reveals himself at the burning bush. I am that I am. God was saying this. What you need to know is that it is I. I am. I'm the God of the storm. I'm God. You see, if you read Matthew, it's just so interesting because the whole point of Matthew, the big idea is, is the, the, chapter eight, he shows 
Jesus healing all the sick people. He says, I am bigger than sickness. Then the next chapter is is Jesus against a legion of demons. I have authority over demons. The next chapter, it's it's lack and the, the boy with the loaves and fishes. And Jesus says, I'm enough for every lack. And now in this chapter, it's Jesus in nature. And he says, I want to show the world that nature doesn't have authority over me. I have authority over nature. I have authority over your circumstances. I remember my dad telling me this, and this was kind of maybe the biggest life lesson from my dad. He would always tell me, Dale, I believe that every person in every circumstance in every situation that comes in my life is an instrument that God can use for the unfolding of his perfect will. He he would talk about how Moses was told to pick up the snake. And he says, man, that looks like a snake, but if it's in God's hands, it's just the rod that parts the water. Things that happen to you may look terrible, but if you really believe that God is in control, you'll know all things work together for good to those who love him. You will have a confidence and a peace in no matter what the circumstance that God's gonna take control. So number one, God wants to change your perspective. Number two, he wants to give you his peace. It is so important that in the middle of the storm that you have peace. Because if our hearts are filled with anxiety, we're not going to see God. It's kind of like those snow uh, ornaments at Christmas. You know, you shake them up and it's all fuzzy. You don't see the angel at the middle. When your heart is allowed to become full of anxiety, You don't see life the way you should. In Isaiah 30, verse 15, I love this verse. It says, for this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. I love this. In quietness and confidence is your strength. You know, I like to say it this way. There's so many people who are working so that hopefully they can rest but they're trying to figure out all their situations. Boy, man, if I can figure out this and I can solve this at work and they're, they're trying, oh man, if I could ever figure this, I'm gonna go take a rest. I'm gonna go on a vacation. I'm gonna finally be able to breathe. And the point is they're not because they're never gonna figure it all out. And they're gonna be just as worried on vacation as they were at home. And what God says is you don't work so you can rest. You rest so that God can work. You learn to let your heart come at peace. Once you're at rest, God will work. You don't have to carry the burden of it. You'll see God do things that are greater than you could ever imagine. How how do you rest? Well, we see in this story that you rest by just pouring out your heart to God. It says that Peter cried out, Lord, save me. Lord, I give you, Lord, I'm, I'm drowning. Lord, I'm sunk. And and the Lord reached out his hand to Peter. Someone said this way, peace is not having no doubts. It's giving your doubts to the Lord so his faith replaces those doubts. It's letting him come because you, you emptied your heart to him. One of the most beautiful pictures in the Bible, and you see it in so many verses in the Old Testament, I will take your hand. And I just love this. 
Because the picture of this is as a, as a parent, maybe you've taken your kids to the mall or what, and they were little, and all of a sudden they get afraid. What do they do? They reach out for your hand. And when they get your hand, they feel like, I'm safe now. Maybe they really aren't, because we're, we're not perfect, right? <laughs> but, but they feel, oh, I've got your hand. And God says, I want to tell you something. When you're sinking at 1,000 miles an hour, if you will cry out to me, I'll give you my hand. I'll, I'll give you my presence. I'll, I'll speak to you in that moment in a way that calms your seas. If you'll, you'll, you'll just let me have it. Let's read Philippians 4, 6. I know we're familiar, but somebody needs this verse today. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see that? Pour out your heart. God, I, I can't handle this. This is too big for me. But Lord, I thank you that you're in this storm. Oh God, I'm just... I'm just drowning. I'm drowning with these bills. I'm drowning with these problems. Oh, son, oh, daughter, please come. I want to take your hand right now. You know, I was reading Billy Graham's autobiography, and one of the most important things that happened in 1949, this, this great leader had a crisis of faith, and his, his right-hand man, just Charles Templeton, one of the great evangelists at that time, actually backslid and left the organization, became an agnostic, said the Bible isn't true. And Billy Graham actually went through a crisis in his faith. And he goes up to Arrowhead Springs there near Southern California, and he goes into the woods there. And, and he, he goes out there and he just falls down and he just cries out to God. He says, God, here I am, this evangelist, but right now I don't even know if I believe in the Bible. I'm having so many doubts. And he just cries out to the Lord. And, and in that moment, he says, all of a sudden, this incredible rest came over him. And he felt this perfect peace inside. And he says, all I knew is that I knew that I knew the Bible was true. God gave him such assurance he puts his hand on his Bible. He says, I will preach this word till the day I die. And he goes from there. They have the Los Angeles crusade. The rest is history. But it was because he took his burden to the Lord. And someone here today is carrying a terrible burden. You don't have to carry it. He wants your burden. He died. He died so you wouldn't have to carry that. He wants you just to pour out your heart to him. And so we encounter Jesus in the storm when we get his perspective, when we receive his peace, and then finally, when we step out of the boat to claim his power. I, I, I love this story because of Peter's boldness. Peter experiences Jesus in the storm in a way nobody else experiences him. Yes, the rest saw him. Yes, the, the rest got through the storm. Yes, they were saved. But only Peter got to experience Jesus on the water. Can, can you imagine 
walking on the water with Jesus. When Peter gets out of the boat, it's so, I just love this picture because there, there was 12 disciples on that boat, right? And I can just hear Peter say, hey, you guys, let's get out of the boat. Jesus said we could come. And they all said, no, thank you, Peter. How many know both Christians are boat sitters, not walk, water walkers? You know what I'm saying? I'm going to just ride out this storm. Thank you very much. Just going to stay right here in this little boat here. Peter says, God, I don't just want to be safe in the storm. I want to experience your power. I, I want to experience you doing something with me that's supernatural, that transcends logic and reason. I, I want to go where you are, on the waters of opportunity. Can, can I tell you what's been happening over these years? There, there have been a lot of people who just said, you know what, I'm going to just sit out the storm. There's a pandemic. I'm just going to, and I, I'm not condemning anyone, but what I've found is that many people became passive. They began to become complacent in their faith. They just began to say, well, I just hope I survive. But how many know you were made for more than survival? I hope I just stay a Christian. I hope I don't backslide. No, you were made for more than that. You were made to walk on the seas of opportunity. You were made to go to where Jesus is in the middle of the chaos of this world to bring the good news of God, to bring the power of the gospel to people who are drowning everywhere outside on those waters. They need someone who says, I'm going beyond the boat in my faith. I'm going into the storm. I'm going with Jesus to rescue the lost. I'm going to ask for the impossible. I'm going to ask God for the miraculous. I'm going to do things I never thought I could do. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to dare to expect that God can do with me what I've never seen anyone do in all history. Make me a water walker. And I just want to challenge us because I believe we're in a time and a season. God wants people in the middle of the storm to show up, to show the world that there's a powerful God in the midst of darkness who still answers prayers, who still does amazing things, who is who's faithful. Oh, friends, I know how much more comfortable it is to be a boat sitter to just say, I just want to take it easy. But I've never felt a time where the Lord was stirring me more. Dale, when was the last time you asked God for the miraculous? When is the last time that if God didn't come through for you, you were going down in the water because you took such a bold risk for him? When was the last time you dared to stand up for the Lord at work? When was the last time that you said, I'm going beyond my ordinary life? And attempt the impossible. Well, people say, well, well, Peter, he got out there, remember? He sunk. But how many know you're not a failure if you try and fail? You're a failure if you never try. <laughs> and I like to say, Peter is not someone who walked on water and sunk. Peter is the only person other than Jesus to ever walk on water and the only person who ever got to be carried by Jesus on the water back to the boat. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. 
How many would love your testimony? I tried something great for God, and man, did I fail. But Jesus rescued me, and I got to walk for a little while on water. And I got to do it, and none of you did it because you stayed in the boat. But I got out there. I got out there for God. And I changed the world. And it's a different place. What I have found, every person of faith that has ever changed the world, people thought they were crazy. Because they'd stepped out way beyond their intelligence, (laughs) way beyond their finances. They dared to believe God. You know, I I remember when my mentor, John Wimber, had this healing ministry, prayed for people around the world. So many got healed. But he would always tell the story. He said, the first 200 people he prayed for to get healed, not a single one of them got healed. In fact, some of them died and many got worse. And he says, I could have quit any time. But I believed that if I would continue to risk and attempt the impossible, someday God would let me walk on water. And the result was thousands of people around the world were impacted. There's a lot of failure in success. There's a lot of setbacks. But God wants you to experience more in the storm than just survival. He wants you to experience his power. Someone here today The Lord is calling you out of your boat. I don't know what that means for you. Someone here, today's the day to make a full commitment to Jesus as Lord. To say, I'm not just a Sunday Christian. I'm not just someone who believes in God. I believe in God. Well, whoopee-doo, the demons believe in God. No, I'm someone who bet my life on the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm someone who who lives for him with my whole heart. Some of you, it might be something, I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to join a ministry. I'm going to start serving God with my gifts. Or I'm going to do something. I'm going to try to reconcile a relationship. Or I'm going to go ahead and and admit that my marriage is a mess and go get counsel. I'm going to do something. I'm going to get out of the boat Because God can't move. As John Ortberg says, you'll never walk on water unless you get out of the boat. You'll never know God can do it until you step out. For someone, it just may mean, God, I have gone way off track in what I was supposed to do. I've run from the calling you have on my life. But I'm getting out of the boat today. And I'm getting back to you. Whatever I have to do to make things right with you, Lord, I just am not going to live and end my life stuck in the same old place. My favorite verse, and we end on this, but it was verse 33. When Peter and Jesus get back in the boat, it says, Then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, truly you are the Son of God. Can I tell you the big point of it? You know, when you're studying the Bible, you're always saying, what was the big idea? Or God, what what was all the drama about? This is what it was about. It was about worshiping. It was about them knowing, not in their head, but in their heart, that Jesus was the Son of God. That he is who he says he is. 
So you don't, you don't really know who God is until you've trusted him as the only hope that you have. See, Jehovah Jireh, what does that mean? God is my provider. You don't really know Jehovah Jireh until you've been to your last dime and you didn't know how you were going to make it. And you trusted God. I can remember losing my job as a, as a young man and just married and my first baby on the way. And, and I'm just down to the, the, the nub, you know. And, and, and I said, God, I don't know what we're going to do. And I'm in California. And God says, the first thing you're going to do is write a tithe check to me. And I said, God, I don't know where my next paycheck is coming. And all he was saying is, hey, get out of the boat, dude. Get out of the boat. And then seeing the next day, someone comes to me and gives me a job better than any job I'd ever had. And from that day as a 23-year-old to this, I have known Jehovah Jireh. You don't have to just tell me a sermon. I know him because he pulled me out when I was drowning. Do you know Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you? It's when, it's when you're sick and, and, and the doctor doesn't have the answer, but but you just trusted God and he was your healer. Do you know the God of miracles? It's when you didn't have any way you could have made it, but a, a miracle. And you trusted him and he came through. Then, you see, you just don't know a theory then. You know him. And that moment comes when you worship and you don't worship like you used to worship. You don't worship that God. You worship your God because he was faithful to you. Would you pray with me? I'm gonna ask the worship team. Holy Spirit, as we just close, I pray in every way for us to have your perspective on our situation, to be able to get your peace again God, we're not working so we can have peace. We're trusting and so you can work. We're resting in your word, who you are. Someone here has incredible stress, incredible anxiety. Oh, friend, you don't have to leave with that. Jesus, Jesus came to bear your burdens. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary, who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I won't lay anything heavy on you. My yoke is easy. I've got a plan for the rest of your life. And it's not a plan of, of a demanding God who's beating you down. It's a loving Father who's taking your hand, who's walking with you, who's saying, we're gonna do this together. We're gonna do life together. I'm going to do the heavy lifting. Don't worry, daughter. Don't worry, son. Don't worry, hon. I'm going to do the heavy lifting. Would you just give him your burden? Oh, give him your burden. And then some of you, he's just telling you, it's time to get out of the boat. Take a step today. If you're here today and you've never fully committed your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you the chance. Friend, it's time. It's time. It's time to be all in. Not sort of in. On Sunday I'm in. On Monday I'm not in. No, it's in. 24-7. 365 days. I'm in. 
I am a follower of Jesus. I am a sold out, born again, blood bought, child of the God who will never turn back. It's time to take up your cross. And if you're here today and you've been on the edge of that and you've never fully committed and you say today, Pastor, I want to step out of the boat and I want to give my life fully to God. Could I pray with you? Maybe with your head bowed right now and your eyes closed across this room, some of you would just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm telling Jesus I'm all in today. I want to give my heart. Would you raise your hand? Just say to him, Lord, I'm all in. Yeah, I'm all in, Lord. Why don't we stand to our feet? Let's just pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, you are the Son of God. And I give you my life. I believe you died on the cross for me. And that you rose again. And I want to be your follower. I give you my heart. Forgive me and write my name in the book of life. I want to be yours. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Just receive your new name. Receive your, your, your healing, your peace. Receive this. Someone just says, I want to give you this burden, Lord. It's crushing me. I give it to you. I want to say yes to you. And as we close, I want us just to sing on our way out, just like a declaration over our circumstances, how great is our God. Maybe we came in saying, how bad are my problems, but we're leaving today saying, how great is our God. So would you just lift it up? Let's sing it together. I'm going to invite our prayer teams again to be up here after this song, and we'll just pray for anyone who'd like prayer today. One more time. Let's sing it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.